Four Quartets by T.S. Eliot Little Gidding Midwinter's spring is its own season. Sempaternal, though sodden toward sundown. Suspended in time between pole and tropic. When the short day is brightest with frost and fire, the brief sun flames the ice on pond and ditches in windless cold that is the heart's heat, reflecting in a watery mirror a glare that is blindness in the early afternoon, and glow more intense than blaze of branch or brazier stirs the dumb spirit. No wind but Pentecostal fire in the dark time of the year. Between melting and freezing, the soul's sap quivers. There is no earth smell or smell of living thing. This is the springtime, but not in time's covenant. Now the hedgerow is blanched for an hour with transitory blossom of snow, a bloom more sudden than that of summer, neither budding nor fading, not in the scheme of generation. Where is the summer? The unimaginable zero summer. If you came this way, taking the route you would be likely to take from the place you would be likely to come from, if you came this way in Maytime, you would find the hedges white again in May with voluptuary sweetness. It would be the same at the end of the journey, if you came at night like a broken king. If you came by day, not knowing what you came for, it would be the same when you leave the rough road and turn behind the pigsty to the dull facade and the tombstone. And what you thought you came for is only a shell, a husk of meaning from which the purpose breaks only when it is fulfilled, if at all. Either you had no purpose, or the purpose is beyond the end you figured and is altered in fulfillment. There are other places which are also the world's end, some at the sea jaws or over a dark lake in a desert or a city, but this is the nearest in place and time, now and in England. If you came this way, taking any route, starting from anywhere, at any time or at any season, it would always be the same. You would have to put off sense and notion. You are not here to verify, instruct yourself, or inform curiosity, or carry report. You are here to kneel where prayer has been valid. And prayer is more than an order of words, the conscious occupation of the praying mind, or the sound of the voice praying. And what the dead had no speech for when living, they can tell you, being dead. The communication of the dead is tongued with fire beyond the language of the living. Here, the intersection of the timeless moment is England and nowhere, never and always.
ash on an old man's sleeve is all the ash the burnt roses leave. Dust in the air suspended marks the place where a story ended. Dust inbreathed was a house, the walls, the wainscot, and the mouse, the death of hope and despair. This is the death of air. There are flood and drought over the eyes and in the mouth, dead water and dead sand, contending for the upper hand. The parched, eviscerate soil gapes at the vanity of toil, laughs without mirth. This is the death of earth. Water and fire succeed the town, the pasture and the weed. Water and fire deride the sacrifice that we denied. Water and fire shall rot the marred foundations we forgot of sanctuary and choir. This is the death of water and fire. In the uncertain hour before the morning, near the ending of interminable night, at the recurrent end of the unending, after the dark dove with the flickering tongue had passed below the horizon of his homing, while the dead leaves still rattled on like tin over the asphalt where no other sound was, between three districts whence the smoke arose, I met one walking, loitering, and hurried, as if blown towards me like the metal leaves before the urban dawn wind unresisting. And as I fixed upon the downturned face, that pointed scrutiny with which we challenged the first met stranger in the waning dusk, I caught the sudden look of some dead master whom I had known, forgotten, half-recalled, both one and many. In the brown-baked features, the eyes of a familiar compound ghost, both intimate and unidentifiable. So I assumed a double part and cried, and heard another's voice cry, What? Are you here? Although we were not, I was still the same. Knowing myself yet being someone other, and he a face still forming. Yet the words sufficed to compel the recognition they preceded. And so compliant to the common wind, too strange to each other for misunderstanding, in concord at this intersection time of meeting nowhere, no before and after, we trod the pavement in a dead patrol. I said, the wonder that I feel is easy, yet ease is cause of wonder. Therefore, speak. I may not comprehend, may not remember. And he, I am not eager to rehearse my thoughts and theory which you have forgotten. These things have served their purpose, let them be. So with your own, and pray they be forgiven by others as I pray you to forgive both bad and good. Last season's fruit is eaten, and the full-fed beast shall kick the empty pail, for last year's words belong to last year's language, and next year's words await another voice. But as the passage now presents no hindrance to the spirit unappeased and peregrine between two worlds and become much like each other, so I find words I never thought to speak, 
in streets I never thought I should revisit. When I left my body on a distant shore. Since our concern was speech, and speech impelled us to purify the dialect of the tribe, and urged the mind to oversight and foresight, let me disclose the gifts reserved for age to set a crown upon your lifetime's effort. First, the cold friction of expiring sense without enchantment offering no promise but bitter tastelessness of shadow fruit as body and soul begin to fall asunder. Second, the conscious impotence of rage at human folly and the laceration of laughter at what ceases to amuse. And last, the rending pain of reenactment of all that you have done and been. The shame of things ill done and done to others harm, which once you took for exercise of virtue. Then fool's approval stings and honor stains. From wrong to wrong the exasperated spirit proceeds, unless restored by that refining fire where you must move in measure like a dancer. The day was breaking. In the disfigured street he left me with a kind of valediction and faded on the blowing of the horn. There are three conditions which often look alike, yet differ completely, flourish in the same hedgerow. Attachment to self and to things and to persons. Detachment from self and from things and from persons. And growing between them, indifference, which resembles the others as death resembles life. Being between two lives unflowering between the live and the dead nettle. This is the use of memory for liberation, not less of love, but expanding of love beyond desire, and so liberation from the future as well as the past. Thus love of a country begins as an attachment to our own field of action, and comes to find that action of little importance though never indifferent. History may be servitude. History may be freedom. See, now they vanish, the faces and places, with the self which, as it could, loved them, to become renewed, transfigured in another pattern. Sin is behovely, but all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. If I think again of this place, and a people not wholly commendable, of not immediate kin or kindness, but of some peculiar genius, all touched by a common genius, united in the strife which divided them, if I think of a king at nightfall, of three men and more on the scaffold, and a few who died forgotten in other places, here and abroad, 
and of one who died blind and quiet. Why should we celebrate these dead men more than the dying? It is not to ring the bell backwards, nor is it an incantation to summon the specter of a rose. We cannot revive old factions. We cannot restore old policies or follow an antique drum. Those men and those who opposed them and those whom they opposed accept the constitution of silence and are folded into a single party. Whatever we inherit from the fortunate, we have taken from the defeated what they had to leave us, a symbol, a symbol perfected in death, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well, by the purification of the motive in the ground of our beseeching. The dove descending breaks the air with flame of incandescent terror, of which the tongues declare the one discharge from sin and error, the only hope, or else despair, lies in the choice of pyre, of pyre, to be redeemed from fire, by fire. Who then devised the torment? Love. Love is the unfamiliar name behind the hands that wove the intolerable shirt of flame which human power cannot remove. We only live, only suspire, consumed by either fire or fire. What we call the beginning is often the end, and to make end end is to make a beginning. The end is where we start from, and every phrase and sentence that is right, where every word is at home, taking its place to support the others, and the word neither diffident nor ostentatious, an easy commerce of the old and the new, the common word exact without vulgarity, the formal word precise but not pedantic, the complete consort dancing together. Every phrase and every sentence is an end and a beginning, every poem an epitaph, and any action is a step to the block, to the fire, down the sea's throat, to an illegible stone, and that is where we start. We die with the dying. See, they depart, and we go with them. We are born with the dead. See, they return and bring us with them. The moment of the rose and the moment of the yew tree are of equal duration. A people without history is not redeemed from time. 
For history is a pattern of timeless moments. So while the light fails on a winter's afternoon in a secluded chapel, history is now and England. With the drawing of this love and the voice of this calling, we shall not cease from exploration, and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. Through the unknown, unremembered gate, when the last of Earth left to discover is that which was the beginning. At the source of the longest river, the voice of the hidden waterfall and the children in the apple tree. Not known, because not looked for, but heard, half heard, in the stillness between two waves of the sea. Quick now, here, now, always. A condition of complete simplicity, costing not less than everything. And all shall be well, and all manner of thing shall be well. When the tongues of flame are enfolded into the crowned knot of fire, and the fire and the rose are one.